the Saints are not going to save much money by trading a guy like Michael Thomas, and they're not going to get a good trade package back from trading someone like Michael Thomas. So it just doesn't make sense. Could the Saints be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline as they try to salvage this rough start to the season? We have takes on that here coming up, along with Andy Dalton being named the new QB1 for New Orleans. We'll get to all that, but first and foremost... It's the Saints Wire podcast. Welcome into the show. We're back after a little mini bye week coming off the Thursday night game. And I'm joined as always by the great John Sigler. John, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. You know, we had this false autumn roll through here in the Gulf South. Uh, the weather's great. <laughs> nice. Um, it's only like 55, 60% humidity <laughs> right now. So I'm just living it up. Loving that, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be back on here with you. And, you know, you know, while Dennis Allen continues to tell us that there's no reason to panic, right, John? Because we're only a game back in the standings, you know, and there's no need to panic Saints fans. I think any Saints fan who's been paying attention this season has to have a finger kind of hovering over that panic button at this point, if they're not already slamming it down, right? Not only for this year, but for future seasons, as you've been tweeting and uh, writing about. Yeah, it is. It's been rough out here, dude. Um, you know, the Saints, they've lost two games in a row. They've been losing games that they should be winning. Um, they're They're you know, I wrote this last Thursday night. They're finding new and inventive ways, innovative ways to lose games each week. You know, you think that you have a quarterback who can protect the ball and then Andy Dalton goes and gets picked off twice for, for defensive touchdowns unbelievable. in the final two minutes of halftime. It's oh gosh, it's just one thing after another. They, they clean up the penalties and the fumbles and they're just throwing interceptions all, all over the place. And they're allowing 40, 50, 60 yard touchdown bombs uh, on defense week after week. And it, it's like they put out one fire and two more start, and it, you, you almost get you, you almost feel some sympathy for the coaching staff because you're right, you're you're just running out of ways to keep putting out these fires. You know, I thought an interesting thing that you've been kind of discussing with fans on Twitter has been, you know, just how far have the Saints set themselves back with some of the moves they made? And I kind of want to take a a bigger picture view of where the Saints are before we dive into you know you know Saints Raiders and and some of the other stuff that's going on with the team. I mean. Mickey Loomis, Dennis Allen and company, they took this like aggressive, super aggressive win now approach in the draft. Right. And we're kind of feeling the ripple effect of that initial trade with Philly. Right. Because you can't stop tweeting about that pick. That's what now number four overall that the Eagles have. Number Saints, four. Number four. Yeah. And the Saints were just in attack mode prior to the draft. And when you wrote about on, you know, that blockbuster deal, you wrote about it on Saints Wire at the time where you said, you know, it's not only a major shakeup for the 2022 draft, it's it's for the next two draft cycles. And when you go back, I mean, those are just huge franchise altering kind of moves, right? And yeah, we love Chris Olave, but we haven't seen Trevor Penning. He's been on IR. We're still trying to see if like if he's living up to it. And it's just hard to not look back at that and say, see what the Saints did in the draft, what they did in free agency, signing a Tyron Matthew, right? Letting certain guys go, trading CJ Gardner-Johnson, you know, just some of the decisions they made thinking that, oh, yeah, we're set. We're going to we're going to roll this year. We're going to be a Super Bowl contender and seeing this two and five start and really not seeing any light at the end of the tunnel. Right. We're not really seeing it getting better anytime soon with Dennis Allen and this team. So have they set themselves back multiple years, John? Yeah. Gosh, it's hard to think they they haven't. You know, no team went all in on 2022 more than the Saints. No team has has moved more money around with restructured contracts than the Saints, who are spending something like $54 million uh, in next year's cap space right now so that they can field the, the roster that they have right now. Um, no team has spent more future draft assets. Uh, well, maybe the 49ers have after the, the cap <laughs> yes, trade, but yes, I, they, not, they don't we're care not going to get picks. too deep in the weeds there. Yeah, 
yeah, this, this is about the Saints. This is about where they are now and where they're headed. And if things just stay exactly the same as they are now, they don't get worse. They don't get better. They, we, it just holds steady. They're going to be sending a top five draft pick to the Eagles, uh, probably a top 10, even if they do manage to win some games down the stretch. And we'll talk about more what's coming what's coming down the schedule in, in a bit. But th- th- they in, they went all in on this without having a quarterback uh, in, in place. And I know they signed Jameis Winston to a two-year deal, but that's not a big commitment, uh, especially when you compare, can consider everything else that happened and everything else, all these other investments that they've made, these decisions that they've made. Um, it's really hard to see any of those that have really worked out well in their favor. Now, I do want to say that, you know, Chris Olave was worth it. Like he, he's worth the draft capital. He, he, he's on that same, you know, Justin Jefferson career path where in two or three years, he's going to be talked about as maybe the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, that's where this dude is headed. He, yep. he is special. He is already outplaying, uh, you know, some of the, the greatest uh, receivers we've seen in the Saints uniform over the last 20 years. You know, he, he's had more catches and more yards than Michael Thomas and Marcus Colston uh, to this point in the season. So he, he's legit. I'm not worried about Olave at all. I really need to see it from Penning, though. And the latest reports from um, New Orleans.Football, that, that's uh, Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett over there. They both do really great work. They're reporting Penning is expected to get back on the field sometime in November, uh, but it really depends on how his body responds to treatment. And, you know, that turf toe injury that, that required surgery, normally that's a three-month uh, timetable. So you've got to hope that Penning gets healthy, plays some meaningful snaps down the stretch, and gives the Saints something to evaluate and work work with uh, once we get into the offseason. But, you know, right now, where, where, where things stand, we are <laughs> we're, we're in a tight spot, man. The Trevor Penning uh, pick is kind of a lightning rod right now with a lot of Saints fans, right, John? Because... I, I see arguments on Twitter all the time on Saints Twitter. Like people are like, we basically traded our 2023 first rounder that right now, as you just said, could be top 10, top five to the Eagles to get Penning. And, and is that true? Do you agree with that take? Because yeah, I could sit here and, and rattle off all the picks that were traded between the Saints and the Eagles, but I don't think it'll come across very good on the radio. Like it's probably a popsicle headache as I start going through all the different picks and what moved and, and what came up. But is, is that essentially what it was like Trevor Penning? You got him for that 2023 first rounder, man. If if, <laughs> if that if that 2023 first rounder was going to be coming in where the Saints expected it would, which would be like in the 20s, if because it, it, they assumed that they would be a playoff team this 32. year, 32, yeah, that exactly, make, yeah, 20 to 32. That that would make sense. I, I would get that. Uh, but because they've fallen so far beneath expectations, it's going to be it's, it's right now. It would be fourth overall. Um, that's really tough to accept. But I mean, I mean, look, it, all of this that. All of this criticism that we're discussing right now that the team is is being hit with on social media, that's all, you know, with the benefit of, high, of hindsight here. And, you know, when 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 the Saints made that trade with Philly, I, I remember I was, gosh, I, I was in the uh, pickup line to get my daughter from school. Um, I, I remember saying that, oh, they, they want a receiver and a left tackle right now. Like, that's why they that's why they got this second first round pick. They're not looking at the QBs. They, they want a tackle to replace Teron Armstead. And that's what they ended up doing now. That has been delayed with with Penning's uh, injury. Um, he, you know, just as a prospect, is someone who's going to need some time before he's ready to start in the NFL. Before the injury, he was not ready. He he was getting beaten up on in preseason. So I, even once he's healthy, I don't think I, I, I don't expect him to start. You know, multiple games this year. But but you got to hope that he he you see enough out of him to justify it to say that okay, he's going to be a foundational player for us for the next decade. And that that's kind of the expectations that are going to be on him. And that's not really fair. 
um, especially considering he's lost most of his rookie year to to an injury that none of that's in his control. Uh, you know, again, to go back to my kid, I, I tell her all the time, life's not fair, bud. You you, you just gotta um, grit your teeth and get and go to work and, and and hope that it works out for the best. So the Saints have kind of put themselves in, in a tight spot right now. I don't know that that was necessarily the right decision to begin with, but we cannot accurately judge it and grade it and all that until we see how it all plays out. Yeah, the benefit of hindsight helps, right, John? It, it does help when you're when, you're, bit, when yeah. you're making commentary on this stuff. So uh, another thing that I don't think this was hindsight at all with John and his commentary on Dennis Allen, the head coach. I'm going to get him to explain himself on some of the stuff he's writing and tweeting about here coming up next. But first, let's set our fantasy lineups. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number eight. New Orleans Saints quarterback Andy Dalton versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Fresh off a 361-yard, four-touchdown performance in which he also threw three costly picks, Dalton appears poised to start ahead of the still-injured Jameis Winston. Las Vegas has given up the most fantasy points to the position, and every starting quarterback has gone for at least 23 fantasy points against this defense in 2022. In the last three weeks alone... This matchup is 46.7% better than the league average. While expecting anything close to a replication of last week's showing is unwise, Dalton has a chance to get his top two wide receivers back on the field and should be good for at least 275 yards and a pair of touchdown strikes, which is more than enough fantasy success to justify a streaming play. Miami Dolphins running back Raheem Mostert at the Detroit Lions. Mostert has gone for 10 or more PPR points in three of the last four games, and he set a season-high mark with 20.9 points last week. The former 49ers dominated this backfield work of late, and he faces a cupcake matchup. Ride the hot hand and lock Mostert in for a minimum of RB2 expectations. Detroit has given up the fourth most fantasy points per game in the last five weeks, regardless of whether receptions are included. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bateman returned last week from a foot injury to log four grabs for 42 yards and five targets. It appears he came out of this game no worse for wear and will face a Tampa defense that is fighting through injuries of its own in the secondary. Eight receivers have made it into double figures in PPR scoring against the Bucs, and two of the three best performances have come in the last two weeks. Look for Bateman to get back on track. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith versus the Arizona Cardinals. Coming off a bye, Smith looks to make it consecutive games with a touchdown grab. And Arizona's feeble defense is a position will make it a reasonable bet to come to fruition. While Smith scored in week six, he logged four catches for an impressively low seven yards. He has no more than five catches for 42 in any outing this year, which should help illustrate his riskiness. Roll the dice on the matchup itself. This is a top eight opponent for receptions, yardage, and touchdown efficiency by tight ends in the last five weeks. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's our questions of the week. These are three questions I cook up for John. Could be about the Saints. Could be from anything around the NFL. And I just throw them at John and see what he thinks. And here's question number one. Uh, what, if anything, John, are you expecting from the Saints at the trade deadline this season, right? Like, could the Saints change course and be sellers? You know, we don't usually see that. Usually they're trying to to add to their team. They'll go win championships. But could they change course? I mean, I see people, rumors, maybe they'll try to trade Michael Thomas or something. 
Uh, or could they double down on what we were talking about in the previous segment and say, no, 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 we got a team here. We're still in this thing and, and try to add a piece or two. Like, what do you think the plan is at the deadline? Yeah, I would be surprised if we see much action at all as far as the Saints being buyers or sellers. Just the timing really doesn't work out for a lot of their contracts to uh, tra- trade away in any of these big money deals like with Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara. Um, it just makes more sense for the team to wait because right now, you know, they would they would be asking the, the, a new team to take on so much cap space or some such a large cap hit in the future that that would actually hurt uh, the return they would get um, as far as draft picks in trading these guys out. So the Saints are not going to save much money by trading a guy like Michael Thomas, and they're not going to get a good trade package back from trading someone like Michael Thomas. So it just doesn't make sense. You know, r- right out this season, uh, take a fresh look at it in the spring and see w- w- what your best options forward are. So th- that's kind of where I'm at with it, and I wouldn't anticipate much. But, you know, you never know. You know, the Saints have always been active at the deadline under Sean Payton. We'll see if that's still the case with Dennis Allen as head coach. And if they do make a move, I could see them, you know, trading for, you know, a role player, some someone who could help, you know, pl- not the analogy I used on, on Saints Wire was we're not looking to, you know, right the ship we're just looking to plug a hole and stop the leaking and keep it from sinking underwater yeah so if you could get someone like uh cam Akers, for example uh, I know he, he's on his way out out from the rams uh that's you're not going to have to to pay a lot you know probably a conditional seventh round pick would be enough um you, you, especially when you look at the uh, jaguars trading james robinson to the Jets this past weekend, that's that was for a conditional six, which which could become a fifth if he plays well enough. And to me, Cam Akers just just you know just kind of keep using this example because he's someone that we did highlight here on Saints Wire. That would make sense for the Saints because they don't have much behind Alvin Kamara. Um, Mark Ingram has not been very productive this year. He's fumbled uh, twice, which is very which is uncharacteristic of him. But he's also just not really running well. He does not have that same pop that we saw earlier in his career. And the Saints have been leaning so hard on the run game that you would that if they could juice it up by getting Acres, um, g- giving him more touches than he would get in L.A., that would take some pressure off of Kamara, and it would give him an opportunity to shine. And maybe maybe he plays well enough to where you know he, maybe he's a long-term fix for the Saints because they, I mean Kamara's contract is going to be getting very expensive soon. He's got the legal issues uh, with the suspension and coming coming along in the future. So. You know, to, to me, that's a that is a very low risk, potentially very high reward situation, and I think that's what the Saints will uh, be looking for. So it could be something like that. It could be a player, um, you know, at a, at another position of need. Again, the, these are guys who may not even be starters in New Orleans, but if they can just improve one area on the depth chart, um, and, and it's not very expensive, I think that's worth pursuing. Uh, another guy I like. I liked him coming out of college. Maybe that's uh, coloring my analysis here is a uh, Jerry Tillery's defensive lineman for the chargers came out of Notre Dame. Um, he, he fits the exact prototype. The saints like at the position he's tall. He's got long arms. He's very, he, he's, he's big. He's like 295. He's, he's very athletic for his size and he just hasn't been very successful for the chargers. But I mean, it's not like the chargers have done a really great job of, of developing and retaining talent in any way. I think they're kind of overrated in that regard. So He's someone who is, you know, bringing some juice as, as a pass rusher, and, and you know, the Saints could use all the pass rush they can get. You know, they're having, they're not exactly having a lot of success there. So, I don't know. So that to me, that would be worth looking into. You know, maybe you could have acquire him for like a fifth round pick next year. I, I think that's worth considering. But to get back to our original point here, I don't think the Saints are going to send out anybody. I don't think they're going to really invest 
um, any more of their, you know, highly valued uh, future, future picks than anyone at the deadline. And I just wouldn't anticipate any really big shakeups one way or another. That's interesting insight as always from you, John. Uh, I appreciate it. And yeah, if they do ride it out, as you said earlier, and they kind of just say, all right, let's, let's see if we can like fix all the mistakes maybe we made last year and try to try to make up for it. Is the head coach one of them, right? Uh, Cause you know, you have been pretty critical of Dennis Allen and it's not like you just cooked this up because it's the saints are, are off to a two and five start, right? You were talking about this in the preseason, bringing up his, his bad records in the past with the Raiders and all that stuff, how he notoriously gets off to bad starts and then it doesn't really get better. <laughs> so does Dennis Allen make it to the 2023 season as a saints head coach or should he, I guess it's question number two. What do you think? I, I really don't anticipate the Saints making a change in during the season. And when I look at how this team is constructed and I look at how, you know, their, their salary cap situation is laid out and everything moving forward, I, it just really feels like this is going to be a two-year um, stint here within a salad. Just looking at how it's all laid out, how the books are cooked <laughs> right now, um, <laughs> I think they're going to, I think they're going to give him two years to kind of get his own guys in the building, tweak the coaching staff, how he wants uh, get kind of continue giving him blank checks and, and um, the, the green light to trade draft picks as needed. Uh, I think they're, they're going to give him the same leeway that they gave Sean Payton. And now whether or not that's the right call, I don't know, man, but that's just my read on the situation. Now I'm a big believer in never hiring the interim coach in, in college football. And I think that carries over to the NFL as, as well. Uh, because all along the Saints have been saying that, you know, we're going to hire him to maintain continuity. And they just hammer that point home. And what continuity do we see? Like like this version, his version of the Saints team, the only, you know, continuity we had from last year are the uniforms. Like they don't do, they don't play good defense. Uh, the offense can can throw it all over the yard, but they're, they're throwing tons of turnovers, too. And they ended up losing all three of their top safeties. They chose to, to part ways with two of the top three safeties. And Malcolm Jenkins, of course, retired. But it just hasn't it just hasn't worked out. And I, it just leaves me wondering, like, why, why did they hire Dennis Allen in the first place if he hasn't done anything that he was hired to do? He hasn't kept the defense intact. He, they aren't playing, you know, even competent defense. They've been the worst defense in the league over the last three weeks. And I know they're dealing with injuries, but everyone is dealing with injuries. And it gets to a point where it's like I'm tired of hearing about you know, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas not being at practice. Tell me about the guys you do have. Tell, tell me what, what's going on with Rashid Shahid, where the dude has scored a touchdown every time he's touched the ball, and you're only get, you, you've only got 19 plays for him over the last two weeks? Like, it, it, it's very frustrating. And I, 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 I went from being ambivalent, a little skeptical of DA, to where now I'm, I'm just out on him altogether. And I, it kind of feels inevitable that the Saints are going to be back and, and looking for a head coach either next year or, or the year after. Yeah, I think the next time Shahid gets like ten snaps in a game, John, but scores a touchdown, you're gonna you're gonna lose it. You're just gonna mm-hmm. lose it. You're gonna get suspended on Twitter. You're gonna you're just gonna yeah, yeah. you're gonna go off. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna put me in Twitter. You won't be yeah, you won't be able to watch that again. That happened. Um, okay, so question number three. Uh, John, you and the team at Saints Wire, you predict the team will finish six and eleven. Ouch, right? Uh, but I know I look at the schedule, I pull it up and I'm like, oh, I see why. Because, you know, after Vegas here coming up, which we're going to talk about that matchup this week, you got a couple of tough Monday night games home against Baltimore at Tampa Bay. Uh, this schedule is really tough, uh, you know, when you look at it. So this is not like the kind of schedule you're hoping for when you're two and five, right? You got Baltimore Monday night at Pittsburgh, home against the Super Bowl uh, champion Rams at San Francisco at Tampa on Monday. Then you finally hit your bye week, week 14. And then you got a bunch of division games that you got to deal with. And, oh, yeah, the Eagles at Philly. It's the only undefeated team left. So this schedule uh, looks tough. 
you guys went out there and, and predicted the team will finish six and 11. What are your expectations for the rest of the season? You know, just maybe as an analyst and, and as a fan for this team, like, is that what you're expecting? You think they'll kind of play out the string and miss the playoffs? Do you see this thing turning around if they get healthier? Because we really haven't seen Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, uh, Jameis Winston. Like, we haven't seen the team healthy, right? Marshawn Lattimore. Like, we could get into, like, the all the injuries the Saints have too, right? So... Do you see any magical thing? Do the Saints make a run in the division, which is really down this year, or do you think they just play it out? Like, what's your expectations? Man, I really want to believe that they'll get healthy, they'll go on a run here, but I just don't know that it's going to happen. And I, I was I was looking back at, at uh, Dennis Allen's, uh, his, his Raiders teams with a, a decade ago, and his first two years on the job, he started out three and four. Now, everyone all year, everyone from Sean Payton to uh, Colin Coward has said that D- Dennis Allen is walking into a perfect situation to compete with the with the roster he has now. And he hasn't won. He, he's won fewer games with this roster than with those Raiders teams that everybody just laughed at uh, for, for a, a, a solid six months here. And in both of those years, he started out three and four, only won a single game out of the next nine. Uh, in, in each of his first two years in with, with the Raiders. And then he went 0-4 in year three and was dismissed. Uh, man, it's it's like, dang, this dude really lost six in a row twice. Um, so what reason do we have to think that he's, it's going to turn around for the Saints now? So I would love to believe it. I would much rather write and talk about a winning football team, a playoff team, uh, a team that's exciting, that has a bright future. I just don't know that that's where we are. And it's, it, gosh, it's really discouraging, especially when, when you can – when you consider everything that's kind of gone wrong and, and hasn't gone the Saints' way this year. So I hope it turns around. I'm not optimistic that it will. And the way that schedule is laid out, all of these road trips, I've got to fly out to the West Coast. I've got to go to the East Coast for two out, back-to-back outdoor cold weather games to close out the season. It's going to be rough, and I just don't have much confidence that they're going to get it uh, fixed in time. Yeah, I feel you, John. I, don't, I think you're striking the right tone for for what Saints fans are expecting. We're 2 and 5. It's not it's not going well here. It's not looking good. It's not looking good for the Saints. And yeah, the schedule is just it's kind of a nightmare here and it starts with this Raiders team which is starting to find its rhythm a little bit, I think. We'll talk about that here coming up next, but first, our buddies over at the Bet Slip and Podcast have a play of the week. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our global sports betting leader, Tipico Sportsbook, out. Tipico Sportsbook is a global sports betting leader and is live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users will get a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, 21 plus and see site for the details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. All right, let's get into this week eight's game of the week between the Packers and the Bills. The Packers are 11 and a half point underdogs at Buffalo. The Bills are still going to be without Tredavious White. They're probably a strong uh, public play. They sit 16th in opponents completion percentage. Meanwhile, Green Bay was coming into the season, had the PFF's fifth best offensive line, ranks 12th in sack percentage. And while they do give up completions, they rank 22nd in opponent's passer rating. While it may not, well, while it may feel like a risky play, I would back the Packers plus 11 and a half. 
That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. The Saints are two-and-a-half-point dogs uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to get into that. But actually, John, we have some, some news breaking on the Saints here. They're wrapping up their practice. The injury reports are coming out here. We're talking on a Wednesday. And some breaking news coming out of Dennis Allen's uh, presser, right? He says that while Jameis Winston is practicing and he's about as healthy as he's going to be with fractured vertebrae, right? Those just don't, they don't heal overnight. They take time. Jameis is back practicing. He's probably, you know, if you're going to give him the ball, he's going to be as healthy now as he's going to be in a couple weeks based on what the coach is telling us. He says Andy Dalton's starting against the Raiders and, and probably going forward. He he used some spicy little way to say that, right? What did he say, John, about the apple cart? He said he said it in some interesting way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, DA's exact quote here: uh, there, "There's no need to upset the apple cart. So we're going we're going to keep things the way they're going. How's that? Uh, just keep doing what you're doing." <laughs> Um, as, as as he said last week, after Dalton threw three interceptions, I know, right? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, hey, you know, I, I get it. You know, I, I do think the offense has been more effective with Dalton uh, than, than Jameis. You know, Dalton can throw to Alvin Kamara. So, whenever you do have a quarterback who can get the ball to your best weapon, I, I do think it's important that that you lean on that. Um, I would like to see Dalton with uh, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. You know, that, that's something we did see with Jameis Winston. We have not seen that with Dalton. I would like to see it eventually. I just don't know that it's going to happen this week. But for now, you know, the Saints are going to keep things as steady as they can. Hopefully it works out against a bad Raiders defense. Yeah, I feel for Jameis. I do feel for Jameis. You know, it, it kind of sucks. And Andy Dalton, I understand the move. And I get, yeah, it's probably been better with him in there. It's better than having an injured Jameis trying his hardest out there and battling through. I get it. But Andy Dalton, John, he's just so you're just stuck in mediocrity with this guy. It's just hard to get excited about, you know, watching offensive football for the Saints with Andy Dalton under center. But I'll try. I'll try, you know, going forward. I'm going to do my best. Um, we do get a Raiders team that is only, they only got two wins as well. But their four losses, as I'm sure Josh McDaniels and any Raiders fan would, would continually pound, John, is that they've only lost by a combined 11 points in those four losses. So, hey, guys, we're close. We're not that bad. Look how good we're playing. Right. Um, but we, it only, is- we only need the quarterback to not throw three interceptions <laughs> in a single game. You know, fortunately, that's something neither Andy Dalton nor Jameis Winston have done this year. So, sure. yeah, I think I think we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as we don't throw two pick sixes in a row, we're good. We're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the Raiders, they've been in, the, in bed in these games is what I was trying to say there. And if you got Vegas earlier in the year, John, I would have picked the Saints at home without hesitation in this game. But now, given how the Saints are looking on defense and how the Raiders, they've kind of like, it's not like the Devontae Adams show, right? Like they found like this identity on offense running the football with Josh Jacobs. They've kind of got some, they got something going there in the run game. And Again, you bring in Adams who could catch the deep ball, and that's kind of Derek Carr's thing. Like, I don't think he's a great quarterback by any means, but he could hit you with a deep ball. Uh, the Saints are going to give up big plays and a lot of yards. Like, it's hard to like their chances on defense against this team. So I think you're kind of catching the Raiders at a bad time. They seem to be kind of getting it together a little bit, right? Uh, in week eight, more than they would have been in like week two or week three. So I'm actually not sure if I love the Saints in this ballgame. <laughs> well, what do you think? 
I think it's a bad matchup for the Saints off for the Saints defensively. Uh, Josh Jacobs is running as well as any back in the league right now. He's forcing a ton of missed tackles, and the Saints are missing a lot of tackles themselves. You know, Tyron Matthew has been a liability for the Saints on the back end. He leads the team in missed tackles uh, through, at this point in the season. Um, they've got they've had to play their backups too often, and we're seeing guys like Justin Evans whipping on tackles. We're seeing Paulson Adebo going you know going on and off of the, the bench. He's missing tackles. It's, it's, it's rough, and I, I don't like that matchup one bit. Now, we know also that Marshawn Lattimore is de- dealing with an, an injury. He, he has shut down Devontae Adams when they have played before. He, he has won that matchup every time those two have met on the field. And I would love to see them competing again, but he, I don't know that he'll play this week. You know, he wasn't spotted at practice on Wednesday, and he's been dealing with um, a, a bruised kidney uh, New Orleans stuff football is reporting. Uh, so that that's not great. <laughs> uh, that, that just sounds painful. So I, we don't know if he'll be available. And if he isn't, uh, that's going to be a really tough out uh, for whoever is starting in his place, whether that's Alante Taylor. Uh, it will not be Bradley Roby because he just went on injured reserve. So, you know, we have a banged up Saints secondary against a Raiders offense with one of the best receivers in the league and one of the best running backs in, in pro football right now. I don't like that matchup one bit. You want to tell me the Raiders win by a field goal and cover that two and a half point spread? I, uh, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, normally, I would take yeah, the Saints. Yeah, you know, I have winning by four. Yeah. I, I, I don't think either team is going to put up a ton of points. Um, just because, like you, I'm not too confident in Derek Carr as a quarterback, but I do like his supporting cast. Um, and I, and I, I'm just not sure that the Saints have enough firepower. Um, so, say, and I say that knowing that they've put up over 30 points the last few weeks, but it, you know, they, they're dealing with such a thin margin for error right now that I could totally see a few things going the wrong way and it having really big, really large negative ramifications in this game. That's John Sigler right there. And and as you can hear, he has thought out insightful takes. You can read his stuff on Saints Wire. He and his team do an excellent job. They're all over it. Make sure you're checking that out. I, once again, am Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. Hit subscribe if you could. We appreciate you. And John and I will be back next week to break down Raiders Saints. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.